1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 352. We record this every Friday at around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. I've got a great panel. We've already lost one of the panel, my friend John, but hopefully he will be coming back. was well, nothing I said, folks. Um, but we've got, uh, we've got a great panel, plus animals. Yeah, um, what more can you ask for, well, folks? Are you not entertained? I've got a great panel, plus animals. What more can you ask for? So let's start off with Adam. He's been away, but he's been building his empire, so I could understand. But he's come back, and he's come back with a furry friend as well. Adam, would you like to introduce yourself and your little friend?
0: (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Well, the star of the show is actually lucky. Uh, He's... Four months old, uh, four and a half months old, five pounds. Uh, he's my son's Christmas gift. Uh, but uh, for, for me, my name is Adam from WPCrafter.com and also the co-founder of CartFlows. So last time I was on here, CartFlows wasn't a thing. Now it's a thing. That's why I haven't been here because of CartFlows. Uh,
1: but uh, great to be back on with uh, everybody today. That's great. And we've got another great guest, Jack. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners of yours, Jack? Sure. Uh, I'm Jack,
2: and I'm the founder of Very Good Plugins and the creator of WP Fusion, which is a plugin that helps people use marketing automation tools with WordPress.
1: And we got Uncle Spencer. Would you like to introduce yourself, Uncle Spencer?
3: Sure. Spencer Foreman from WP Longify. We help people who want to start profitable membership sites with marketing automation.
1: That's great. And I've got my token woman, but she's going to have another lady next week. joining oh, us. Hi, um, Token woman, would you like to introduce yourself?
4: <laughs> My name is Sally Getch. I am the WP fangirl. I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. We're having our show off your website uh, meetup on Sunday. And uh, so if you are in the Bay Area and you've done something cool with a site of your own or one for a client and you want to tell us all about it. Uh, join us uh, in Oakland. Uh, just go to meetup.com and search. And uh, yes, as, as I said last week, I'm an experienced token woman.
1: Hopefully my friend, John, well, he was having a bit of problems with his computer. We've come to the conclusion it must have blown up on him. Um, but we're going to go and hopefully you will be joining us. Um, so let's start off. Let's start off um, with our first story. That Funny enough, was Mac uh, Maloney? Oh, here's John? Oh, so I'm going to let John introduce himself. John, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? No, <laughs> You can't hear us. I suspect that's the case. Oh, right. We, we, uh, right. Just give me a second.
4: Right. Well, yeah. I suppose you could always, like, you know, bump John in the chat, but he won't have heard anything that's that's going on with us unless he, like, plugs into the live stream somewhere else and, and that can get screwy for the...
1: Yeah, right. He's looking puzzled. Can you hear us, John? He can't hear us, can he? I'll, I'll, I'll totally flame this and some viewers for one moment. Right, so let's get on and see if he can sort out his problems. Um, like I was saying, our, our main story is the interview... On Gutenberg and the future of WordPress with Matt Mahanay from Adam. So, uh, um, Adam, would you um, like to start off with, um, you know, how did you, how did this happen, and what were some of the main things you got from the interview, Adam? Absolutely. Um, I've been wanting to tell this story
0: because uh, I'm just a guy that has a YouTube channel. Uh, obviously, it's one of uh, the more popular, just WordPress niche uh, YouTube channels. And so I, um, I uh, let me actually back it up. So Matt Mullenweg was on a podcast for the WP Builds podcast. And that's with Nathan Wrigley. And I thought, huh, That was a good idea and a good move of him to try to get Matt Mullenweg. I bet he's more uh, willing and available for podcasts and video interviews and things of that nature simply because of Gutenberg, you know, uh, to talk about that and to tell the story of it. So I thought, you know what? Nathan had a great idea. I'm going to do the same thing. But then the next challenge is how the heck do you, like, find the guy, right? Uh, Or get his attention, right? He's a real busy guy. How do you get his attention? So I... uh, emailed. That didn't work. I tweeted. That didn't work. And then last week on Friday, exactly seven days ago, he had a uh, post on his blog about Gutenberg and he addressed a lot of the things uh, related to it. And uh, I thought, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to leave a comment. I just saw the blog post. I'm going to leave a comment on there. And I, I left a comment. You can actually go see the comment. It was like the third one left on it. And I said some stuff. And then I said my name. And then at the bottom, I said, P.S., if you want to come on my YouTube channel, uh, I'd love to have you. Uh, We have this many subscribers and we get this many views per year. And he later that day went through his comments and he immediately shot an email over to me. And so I get this email from Matt Mullenweg that was unexpected because, you know, If you've done any kind of uh, outreach, say you are a product creator, such as WP Fusion, and you do any kind of outreach, you're used to, you know, 99.9% of the outreaches result in no response, right? Uh, That's just the reality of outreach. So I didn't expect to get a response. And I get a response on Friday, and I immediately uh, feel a sense of panic because you kind of put yourself out there, right? I don't have, I've never done an interview of anyone before. Uh, I don't have the setup for doing an interview. I've never done it. I don't know the tech. Uh, I've I've never been in a situation where I've asked questions like that to somebody, regardless of who it is. Uh, But then I said to myself, you know what? I might be terrified, but I've had conversations with people in my life. I think I can have a conversation with someone. Uh, And if I don't accept, uh, it would be kind of uh, weak, (laughs) right? If If I make the offer... They accept the offer, and then I don't go to the next step to set up a time. Uh, That would be kind of uh, sad, actually. So I just went for it. I sent the email back saying, let's do it. I'm open. I got uh, uh, his, um, what do they call him, executive assistants, Uh, put it on the calendar. And uh, literally, we did it Tuesday morning. And for me, it was like nerve-wracking because, um, you know, I could have done Zoom, You know, use Zoom. We use Zoom. A lot of people use Zoom, but i I wanted to, I wanted it to be a little bit more uh, than that. Uh, I wanted it to, from production standpoint. So I had to figure this all out right as we're entering a weekend, and it was a little bit nerve wracking. I'll tell you that much. I had to come up with questions. I had to figure out what would I ask that would be different from what he gets asked normally, and have it uh, appeal to the people that watch. The WP Crafter YouTube channel, and then I had to figure out the tech, and then I had to manage all that. So I don't know. um, After recording it, it, or actually leading up to it, I was sitting there thinking, is he even going to show? Because he's not responding, right? I'm just dealing with this executive assistant. Uh, Anyways, uh, I put the work in. I tried to get as prepared as possible from a tech perspective and from writing out some thoughtful questions that would be things that he wouldn't normally get asked. And, um, uh, and then doing the doing it live is actually recording it live is it's a little bit nerve wracking because you can't have there be any failures. You know what I mean? You get a guy on there. That's a busy guy. You can't have there be one problem. It has to be smooth selling. So all this stuff's going through my head. Uh, but I realized if you watch the interview, um, uh, there were some problems. Uh, they, I'm sure people picked up on it, but they didn't know why. So my, um, I have normally have a Bluetooth headset so I could hear what the person's saying and it wasn't working that morning. So if you watch the interview, there's a couple points where I, it's kind of like I'm talking over him, but it's because I don't know he's talking because I can only hear my own voice. I can't hear him out of the speakers. Um, so that happened. I didn't like that. And another thing, if you're watching this video right this second, I had the same problem. Uh, I'm looking straight at a camera, but I can't see anybody else. I have to look off to the side. But if I'm talking to him and I'm looking off to the side, it doesn't look good. So all the time, I'm just like this looking straight into a camera. And I don't even know, you know, I can't even see him. So there was all these like challenges I had to go through. But you know what? What? Uh, I like to jump in feet first with things. I like to go for it. I like to go for the massive win or the massive fail. Uh, and I think this turned out to be a massive win. It ended up being a great interview. It was insightful beyond some of the typical. I didn't want it to be technical. Um, and I did want to ask a couple firm questions in there and give him ch- just to see how he would respond. Um and uh, you know, it's wife approved. My wife watched it. She thought
1: I oh, did. Well, a great that, that that that's the fun of it. it was the wife. But we're I'm going to hand it over to the panel now. Get get their <laughs> Sorry, marks. I could go on. <laughs> I'm going to get there, Marks. Uh, so, Uncle Spencer, what what were some of the things you thought about the interview? Uh,
3: I enjoyed the interview. I thought it was really well done. Good pointed questions. I think the one thing that I'm really observing is, aside from Gutenberg and everything, is that. I like to study how CEOs operate. I like to see how they present themselves. And I've listened to interviews from people in let's say our space, like Clay, Mask has been an interviewee on Nathan Latka's show three times. He's the CEO of Infusionsoft or <clears throat> Confusionsoft. And when we talk about integrating things with you know, the existing CMS of WordPress, the conversation comes up, You know, why do they make certain moves? Well, he's got his own style. And when he has to defend things, which are obviously wrong with what they're doing. He acts like you might expect. Matt has the singular capability that I've seen in no other human being, especially a 30-something-year-old, to be so stable in his ability to answer any question like this. And even with the pointed questions, every answer was, that's very interesting. And I'm sitting here going, drink some coffee. Answer the question. <laughs> Because in 52 years on this planet, I have never, even as a trial attorney, never seen anybody who in public has not cracked his facade. The only times that he's cracked his facade are the whole Chris Pearson incident and a couple of these other things. Where yeah, that not, not on, not on camera, but like, I don't know if he goes home and he, you know, punches a bag or what. But the fact that in every public sense, he's just able to talk to this yeah. I am in awe. It's I, funny that
1: you bring up Mixer G. I'm not going to go down there, but it's uh, that interview on Mixer G. The um, what you're talking about is the only time in public where I've seen um, his presentation or crack right. a bit because he he really got rattled in that interview with um, on Mixer G. Didn't he? It he might it was, might have been his
3: turning point because from then on, I mean, I I think he's an amazing businessman, of course, for all the reasons we all know. But the fact that in the state of Even like Morton, Morton, we'll talk about this later in the show, but I listened to the other podcast was uh, John James Kobe and Pippin Williamson. Great, you know, get to an hour and 11 minutes. Great talking about the Gutenberg thing. But the whole point is that like, even how, you know, Morton gets referenced indirectly, never sticks his thumb in Morton's eye. But he acts when, when uh, Adam asked the question, he acted so surprised. Oh, really? Is it really true that they said that? As if he hadn't heard it, but we know that he had heard it because there's other references. But it's just amazing ability on a personal level to do that. So,
1: well, Sa- Sally, what did you think of the interview? Uh,
4: well, it's you know, I mean, I think Adam did a great job in terms of of uh, you know finding interesting questions to ask and and building up a, a, a rapport and and um uh, so on. I mean, every time I hear. Matt on an interview, I get much of the same sense as, as when I first uh, met Matt, which would have been, I don't know, 2007 or, or, or 8. He'd been invited um, to speak at something together with Craig from Craigslist, and, uh, and I had been invited to, to record it, and you just think, oh, he's such a nice boy. Um, Yeah, I mean, and he was really, really young at this point, and you kind of picture him like helping little old ladies across the street, and I think this is a real part of Matt's personality, and and a large part of Matt's personality, but he's also, I mean, nobody gets to be successful to the degree that he has without the ability to be a right bastard, Uh, and you know, at least when the situation calls for it, uh, and also there is that. Yeah, this person has has now had media training in terms of rest- responding to to stuff, and I don't. You know, that doesn't mean that I that I necessarily think that you know uh, he's evil, but it, you notice certain things being kind of slid over with his. You know, like, yes, you know, we could have done this a bit better with regard to the uh, accessibility, and it, it, but it it's. You know, it, like, does not sound, when you hear him describe it, as if there was the, the degree of...
1: Ter- well, it's like, it's like, it's i like, um, uh, I'm trying to find the right words here, Sally. It's like the audit, you know. though one point, there is no money. Now there is money for it, you know. And, it, 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 like, it's surprising that, well, we... I was watching that they were having trouble, so we decided they had to... Con- it's kind of an alternative world, isn't it? <laughs> but but uh, it, it's you gotta admire it, it, it's very stylish. Well, I,
4: you know, I mean, I think there is some some spin involved here, but also some okay. You know, this this does need to uh, this does need to happen, and and we want to make it happen, and uh, you know, we are going to pitch in. I I think the commitment to, to open source is real, and I think the um you know the we want to take the long view on stuff uh, is real i mean they and because they you know they may have taken some in, in investor money that prompts you know pushing for uh, more market share and 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 so on but at the same time it, it, you know i think <clears throat> all of it is affected by the fact that you know matt himself is pretty much set for life And, uh, you know, has never, uh, worried about this being a a primarily money-making venture, but he does have the, you know, the plans to take over the world.
0: But I brought that up, that, um, uh. Other open source projects, they always start with this great free uh, open source code. They build users on that. Then they do kind of like automatic, right? Auto- they form a, a for profit company. But then what, what automatic does differently, in my view, and it's actually just obvious, then what typically happens is what typically happens is the parent company steps in, the for profit company, builds a lot of great stuff that never makes it to the open source version. It's only on a uh, a commercial version. And they they kind of just let the open source version die off to get people on this paid model. And I really believe, obviously, uh, you know, there needs to be some healthy profit going into automatic. I mean, they pay the salary of 38 developers improving the open source version. They're Paying for that, um, there's a mutual interest, obviously, in the for-profit and in WordPress open source. But you know, there, what typically happens though is the open source project dies, and it was just a big way to get customers faster than your competitors through this uh, model. And so, WordPress hasn't gone down like that. WordPress has stayed true to being open source,
1: and. Well, well, Adam, that's the whole debate because some people got a feeling that that's exactly the model that is going. To, that is, what we are
4: seeing. Hey, hey, yes, uh, some people that, on this podcast, I believe.
1: That that's the whole. Um, a lot of people won't say <laughs> it, um, but that's the whole debate, isn't it, Adam?
0: Well, I don't. I don't under. I don't see where the debate actually is in that because what has automatic built. For WordPress that isn't in the free version of WordPress, sure there's some services, um, but most of it's even given away for free. Uh, there's no like core feature that you, as a WordPress user, feel like you can't live without or get someplace else that was only that is only in the um, the, the commercial version of WordPress on WordPress.com. You can't point to it. So in that scenario, uh, if there was just a profit motive. There would be lots of contributions that would only be in WordPress.com. You just don't see it. You, you, you really just don't see it.
1: Right. Well, what do you think, Jack? Um, I like the
2: interview. I Yeah, I mean, I find his whole tone very reassuring, like, you know, everything's going to be fine, guys. Don't worry. I, I'm kind of interested in how much of his strategy over the last week was planned out because he was also... I'm in a, a premium Slack group with a lot of developers and core contributors and he came in there and offered to do a 15-minute listening session with anybody who had any concerns and a lot of people in there were pretty upset about the 5.0 rollout. And many people took him up on it and all came back from the calls saying, okay, I feel much more um, reassured now. And the whole temperature of the debate in that community has gone way down now that Matt has said, yeah, you know, anybody who has any problem um, you know, I'll talk to you about it for 15 minutes. And I think some of the People talking to him were, you know, quite upset about accessibility and stuff, and nothing was recorded, so they were asking him some pretty hard questions. Um, so I think that that's it. Seems to be working. Him going out and being like, "Okay, you know, we're making a big change here. I get people are going to be upset, but we're going to make it anyway. But at least let me make you feel like you're heard." Um, so good for him.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to put this to Spencer before we go on to story two. Um, I heard, you know, I heard a few things that there was, you know, a lot, quite a few people were going to WordCamp, and there was going to be a, you know, the prospect there was going to be some booing, and you know, that it was going to be quite a difficult oh, situation. Too. Do you think this was a kind of PR um, charm offensive before WordCamp, really, to try and defuse some of the upset before WordCamp?
3: Um. I don't think that it was not, I don't think it was unthought about. I mean, in other words, unconsidered. However, after listening to the various points of view and listening to several of Matt's interviews, including Adam's interview with him, my takeaway is that um, I don't disagree with Adam's point right now that let's say other things have happened in other companies where they they kind of popped out too early for, you know, revealing their secret, WordPress is too far down the road to go back on that. As we've talked about, we've already got that fork. So the damage control is they made their bed, live and die by the sword of open source. 12 years later, with that huge community and all the developers, hello, that could just take the four point something and go to town with it, they can't undo that decision, unlike other open source platforms who came out in year one and, like, ha ha ha, funny, we made a joke, we're taking your stuff. I had a history before WordPress press of things like that happening. And it always ends badly for everybody. But what I do see happening is the fork in the road we're at today is really simple. We're at an intersection. Are we all going to go to the right or the left? Or are we going to go our separate ways? Because it's unquestionable to me whether his demeanor as a CEO is really calm or he's all hyper like a Larry Ellison that Automatic is using Jetpack as the Trojan horse to drag the commercial aspects of WordPress the way they want it to go. And what I found fascinating, my one takeaway that surprised me was that blocks by themselves, this will yet to be seen, will be the vehicle, the sub-vehicle, because I can already see in my own mind a thousand different ways to make money from blocks. But right now, Jetpack is offering sort of like the If you get the free version, you get a block. If you get the paid whatever, you get some better blocks. If you get the super-duper version, you get lots of other blocks plus blah, blah, blah. As I said in the last show, I see what's going to happen is if they don't screw with that so that open-source developers can still make their own blocks and still offer hosting and still do everything, then I think that everybody will just go with the flow Mm -hmm. to the right, and there will be side-by-side competition. If they mess with that, which I don't think they can afford to do, there will be a civil war, and some point or another, it will break off into, you know, WordPress automatic version and WordPress everybody else version.
4: Yeah, well, I think. You, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so far, it looks like we're going to have a thriving uh, ecosystem in um you know, in custom blocks produced by third parties.
0: And And you already have it right now. Like, uh, I don't know if any of you have looked at some of the newer block packs. These things are amazing. Uh, And they're all free. I mean, things that you would normally be paying some serious money for in plugins, they're now like in free block packs. There's uh, several of them. There's one that's really good. I tested it. I forget the name of it. It's by the developer... Of the paid page, he went block routes, and he really packed all the value in this. It's sitting in the repo. I just forget the name of it, unfortunately. I'd like to shout him out. Uh, but the the the, uh, the ability blocks is going to be competitive, but it's not going to be competitive by my block. It's going to be competitive use my free block, and there's already so many free blocks out there.
1: Yeah, but um, I just want to say this before we go on to, and this is just my opinion. I. I the way I thought this was going to go was, um, I thought that was the reason why WooCommerce was bought. Because I thought that um, Automatic and their backers, they bought WooCommerce, this is my opinion. I thought they bought them to build a world-class um, e-commerce platform that would just crush Shopify and the other e-commerce. And, that's, and they were going to offer a... Um, And that was going to be the dividing line that um, Automatic was going to become an e-commerce SaaS platform with the option of downloading WooCommerce as a standalone with all the power of the WordPress uh, independent development community as well. But they were going to dominate e-commerce and for some reason it never happened. Uh, well, that's
4: definitely not the way it went. And in indeed, we
1: haven't got that subject. It didn't go down. And then, um, then um, we had Gutenberg, and where I think, and hopefully, maybe WordCamp US will define this, is um, basically where is the dividing line between the commercial interests, which are obviously there for automatic, and the, everybody else. Is there going to be a position where everybody knows where they're going to stand in this game. Um, and will Matt really clarify things a bit more? Basically, we, we will find June out.
4: Tune in at 1 p.m. Pacific to find exactly. out. Exactly. Can I oh, add something to yeah. that?
0: Uh, uh, based on my interview, kind of what I came away with is, and you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday, John, that I would much more prefer a WordPress with an automatic that has a commercial incentive uh, that's aligned with the success of the open source WordPress than to not have that. Uh, It's kind of like a bit of capitalism, right, versus socialism. A capitalism, it's pushing forward, it's innovating, it's staying ahead of technology, ahead of the pack, Uh, Doing awesome things. Socialism is let's just chill out and keep what we got. And, you know, there's no real advancement. There's no real leaps ahead. There's none of that. And that's what you see happen to most open source uh, projects. They they're not willing. There's no incentive to really take that bold move to take your platform and make it something that will today that will be relevant in 10 years Right now? Well, I think
4: there might be incentive, but there's not necessarily funding.
0: I'm sorry? Oh, think- yeah, exactly. Uh, well, no, I think that's it's, it's actually, I personally think it's both. I think in the incentive and funding, but just a, there's um, a, a drive. I think it's a drive. So I know me on a personal level, I'm driven to push my business as far as it can. As far as it can go, I'm personally driven to do that. Uh, but if there's, you know, you're just your typical open source project. Look at Joomla. Look at um, uh, Drupal. Uh, they don't have a uh, this auxiliary organization that's pushing this thing forward, and it's irrelevant. They're both platforms are completely irrelevant today. But there was a day when they were all kind of at the same at the same level. So I prefer uh, the. The I prefer that there is an automatic, that there is a Matt Mullenweg that's going to push and lead this open source version for the good or for the better. I believe it's going to be for the good. And I think that in six months, we'll see whether that's true or not. But I prefer that than not having that. It's just my point.
1: Right. Thanks for that. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go down this bit. Uh, I thought I agreed a lot with you, what you just said there, Adam. Your... um, synopsis of the difference between capitalism and socialism socialism I totally disagree with you but that's not the time and place to have that discussion. Uh, um so fundamental poor choice of words on my part. I'll say that right now. Yes. Well no I think you honestly believe that. I, I'm just saying I I totally disagree with you but you've got every right for your opinion. Uh, um, so the the long tortured quest to make Google Unbiased. What did you think of this one, Uncle Spencer?
3: I mean, this is another example of the thing that we've seen from uh, when companies get large enough that their interests are being affected by politics, the,
1: <laughs> just
3: human nature, they're going to invest their money into politics. And I think that Google, has long ago, revealed uh, the machinery behind the Wizard of Oz to let everybody know that they're certainly going to do what they think is best, whether it be... In China or otherwise with data piracy and privacy and all that sort of thing. So this doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, you know, we're facing every day the growing pains as a society around the world of how do we handle this transparency and globalism and capitalism and, you know, all the things that go along with where people make their decisions based upon information provided, which surprisingly is some intermix of corporate interests, political interests, and so forth. So the end of the day, I don't think this is a topic that's particularly interesting to me because we covered it before. It's just sort of obvious to me, which is Google is not what they said they were going to be. Okay, is there anything I want to use of theirs still? Sure, but I always use it now with an eye towards you know. And my big joke is, I, I have the house full of you know Alexa, but I can't I can't say her name. But I will never have that Facebook thing, despite how many commercials they say how cool it is to have your Facebook camera. That's just a matter of trust with the corporation. I also choose not to have the Google products in my house because, yeah, I use Chrome and I use their inbox. But even inbox drive me crazy because, like we talked about, they're going to cancel it. I don't have faith in that company. I do have faith in other companies. So it's a personal choice.
1: Jack, um, can a company that has effectively no competition – can it effectively just be left in the private arena? Because without the the competitive pressure of competition, is it just one giant monopoly?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of people asking now about how do we quantify monopolies and how do we do antitrust law now when um, it used to be if a company became a monopoly, then they could rip off people for the prices of their products. But now, for example, you have Amazon, which is effectively a monopoly, and yet people are getting cheaper prices on products as a result of it. So is it really in the best interest to break up something that isn't harming people? Um, I think that's, that's the question. Um, I did find the article very interesting. I've kind of been following this over the last year. It's an interesting philosophical question about how the more we rely on algorithms to do things, and we think the algorithms are impartial because they're a computer, but, um, we, the algorithms are learning from us and we have built in biases. So like Amazon was doing, a, was training an AI to do um, hiring new personnel and the AI learned to hire men because Amazon had hired men in the past. So they had to scrap that. Or there's a company that makes a system that helps judges do sentencing um, after the, you know, you're already guilty. Now what's the sentence going to be? And this AI spits out a sentence and it's a completely closed black box. It does this based on all the historical sentencing data has available, but some people say it unfairly punishes That's certain minorities. Idea. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, the company insists that, uh, no, of course, it's completely impartial, but we can't tell you how it works.
4: And
0: <laughs> uh, that could, <laughs> be, that could is, mean
4: that they don't actually know how it works? Don't well, how
1: they, don't. They, uh, they don't know how it works. It, it's it's like a the then it
2: comes up with a decision. Exactly, yeah, but we're handing over um, people's you know, possibly years spent in prison based on a machine that might have learned from us doing it badly in the first place. And so I mean, that you see a little bit of that here. Like Google probably is not intentionally suppressing news about Trump, but perhaps it maybe you know the tech sector is kind of liberal leaning, and people who um, are building websites who are liberal leaning might be building faster websites or sites that are more SEO optimized. And so those sites are going to rise higher up. Um, and that's not Google's fault specifically. It's just the algorithm sort of bringing out a confluence of factors that causes those rankings to change. And I don't see how you'd be able to regulate it. But it's, it's very, very interesting. I think this is going to come up more and more with like self-driving cars. You know, how do they make decisions in accident, um, you know, situations? Or, you know, how do they, do they avoid a collision with a child to hit a an adult or that kind of thing. So it's gonna be an interesting few years. It could later. be
1: even worse, Jack. It could be running over a pet dog. Exactly, yeah.
2: Exactly. So, or or does it calculate that killing a killing a child is worse than killing an adult, but killing an adult and a dog is worse than killing a child. Oh, so and, and it makes that decision in a split second, but then how do you, you know, justify and explain it later? The computer decided, we just have to go with it.
1: I'm English, yeah. Jack. The, the, the dog comes first. The dog yeah. comes first, yeah. yeah right.
4: Well, it's, it's uh, certainly if it's
1: your dog. Uh, but uh, Especially if it's got a Christmas sweater on it. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh,
4: you know, with with regard to this, yeah, most of the time, uh, human beings are incapable of being unbiased even when they try because there
1: are so many biases we're not aware uh, of. I've given up years ago. Like, my biases are very public.
4: And, um, you know, I read an article a couple of weeks back, maybe about, um, a journalist who was using a program that would actually sort of like, it would scan what you, what she was written and, and say, Hey, there are no women that have been interviewed for this or cited in your, in your footnotes. I mean, it would kind of like tell you, and you know, the, the point being just, to create an awareness that it, that the program did not have final authority over what uh, citations got in there or anything and i thought you know that would be important cuz i remember when i was teaching one of my female students came came up to me and said you know you tend to call on the guys and i'm like oh my god i you know i didn't think about that and uh so yeah there there's going to be things that the the best intentioned people uh have biases that creep into things and uh, you know, the people whose intentions are not good um, can can make it worse. Uh, so, yeah, there there are a, a lot of thorny questions in terms of, of monopolies and and what is and is not the uh, public good, and is anybody who claims to be pursuing the public good actually interested in the public good, or or do they have other motives? Uh, and I don't think that, you know, we, we could talk about that for a long time, but I don't know if that would be very beneficial to our audience.
1: Right, I'm going to let my capitalist here have the final um, spot here. Adam, the capitalist. Well, Mr. Capitalism, Rob, you live by the sold. Can a company, can the effective pressures of the free market be applied to obvious monopolies like Google? Well, I think that, well, I've always felt that... um Google,
0: and let's just um, uh, peel in their uh, Facebook as well, these online media companies, because that's essentially what they are. They have so much power and control. Uh, It's a slippery slope, I think, that they're on. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, all of them get regulated in the next five to 10 years, like some serious regulation comes in, because um, even if they're not doing something actively to uh, push a a, uh, um, a point of view. People on that other point of view are always going to think that they are. So there needs, there's going to be, when the government gets involved, it's never a good thing, but I don't see how the government's not going to get involved in all of these companies and they're going to be treated like news organizations. They're going to be open up for libel. They're going to be, there's going to be some serious stuff that goes down um i just think it's it's inevitable you know
1: yeah, I think you're probably right there. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's for the better or the good because look look at what has happened um, to the traditional media. Um, but, you know, that's a different story for a different time. We're going um, to go for our break, folks. But before that break, I want to talk about one of my major sponsors. And that's Kinsta Hosting. And I love Kinsta Hosting. They uh, basically um, I host the WP Tonic website with them. Um, you get Google Cloud. That's the that's the framework they're using. But what you get is a superb interface, twenty four seven support from people that actually know what they're talking about, um, which can be a rarity with other certain hosting companies, um, which will not be mentioned. Uh, um, but um, like I say, if you're if you're a developer, a consultant, a power user, and you're looking for really quality. WordPress focus hosting, go to kinsta.com, look at their packages, and I'm 100% sure you're not going to be disappointed with your choice. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted
2: WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate
0: on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages page layouts, widgets, updates and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full no question asked 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay, sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast.
1: Coming back. Have you not been entertained? Great panelists, dogs, cats, You know, what more can you ask for? Christmas scenes. Christmas scenes. You know, what more? You know, I've thrown everything into this episode. I've thrown everything out to your audience. Right, let's go on to story three. Um, WordPress e-commerce past and future from Tom McFanley. Um, he's a great guy he's been on the show, he knows his stuff, writes something interesting. What did you think of this one um Sally
4: oh, right no, I am definitely one of tom mcruland's uh, fans he's a He's a great developer and he you know comes up with a kind of history of of things that have have happened and how there are problems with doing e commerce within WordPress in terms of performance and scale and ease of use and data structures and, you know, on and on, which doesn't mean it's insoluble. Uh, but he's discussing the interesting move that that BigCommerce came up with uh, recently in terms of its integration into WordPress, where, whereas Shopify said they were, you know, pulling their WordPress plugin and, and so on. Um, BigCommerce uh, seems to be really focusing on, hey, let us uh, integrate uh, with uh, you know WordPress and with a bunch of other stuff, and uh, then uh, you know it. But it will all be a a SaaS platform. Uh, now, note that there is a there is at the bottom. You know this post is brought to you by the fine people at BigCommerce and the work they are doing to improve e-commerce in in WordPress. So it's not um, speaking of biases. Uh, it, you know it, it, it's not a totally unbiased. Uh, presentation, um, but uh, you know it does bring up something, uh, something interesting and, and an issue that people do sort of struggle with in terms of: do I want to tackle WooCommerce or or EDD, or do I want to use something like Shopify or BigCommerce, or, or you know? A, a, a hosted service that's you know pretty simple to set up and involves less worry and and yeah uh, we've all you know we all thought when uh, automatic bought uh, woocommerce that something like this was going to be set up with with woocommerce for wordpress.com users of a you know a, a hosted e-commerce platform and that hasn't materialized yet, which, you know, could be partly because the focus of everybody's energy has been on Gutenberg. And then, you know, once that's done, maybe having, you know, block-based product pages is part of the key to uh, <coughs> setting something like that up with WooCommerce. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what evolves there.
1: Um, I'm gonna throw this to over to uncle spence but um spence um to me this there's, there's two questions i want to add to you to this for you is um this seems to be all you know this seems to be a, a constant debate on what should be done in the browser and what should be done on the server and it oscillates every couple of years about everything being do- done in the browser in javascript you know, you don't need to send requests to the server, then it switches that. You know, you got the resources on the server, and then the the other question is: um, Was you was have you been surprised that you know automatic buy a company for for thirty million dollars, and then they fundamentally don't seem to do much with it? Got any insights?
4: Oh, the major thing was making you log in with your WordPress.com account, which makes it incredibly difficult to buy stuff from WooCommerce.
1: Yeah, great. What do you, What's your thoughts, Spence? I love this topic.
3: And I'm going to try to answer it in a Matt Mullenweg style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to start... You've got no furry animals around you though.
3: I really, I I want to become better as a a public speaker and I have my, you know, highly caffeinated... I want to see if I can do this. I'm going to start with the second part of your answer first. Are you... Anybody can see that there is a violation of both common sense and decency when you put in WooCommerce, a free plugin, and the perpetual unless you use some snippet of code that some of us know how to use or get a plugin, the perpetual connect your site to WooCommerce.com comes on. And everything that goes along with that, as well as with the jetpack part, while part of a business model, are certainly a do as we say, not as we do. Because any other plugin, including my esteemed colleague who I want to refer to in a second, Jack, would be slapped on the wrist or worse if their plugin in the repository did that kind of non dismissal shenanigan or did some kind of other thing that was a shenanigan. And I have other friends, we've talked about them in the business, who do things where you could do in-plugin plug-in upsells, but you have to go through a whole platform and roundabout, dot, 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 So my answer is WooCommerce is not doing nothing for them. What they were able to do is to tap into a very huge part of why people need WordPress at all. In fact, one of my conversations that goes on all the time, there's a person right now at WordCamp, discussing this around for the purposes of what I'm going to go on record on in a second, is to figure out what is the purpose of WordPress. And I would say the purpose of WordPress is really simply this. It is your front-facing presence to which everything else connects. A large part of that is a business motivation. I don't feel there's as many people today that use WordPress purely as a blogger to say something about their ballet dancing. They use Facebook or something else for that. WordPress is a framework into which other things plug in, but this is, for today at least, your forward-facing element. Now let me go to the other side of the question. I love the Jacks here. Jack Mm -hmm. is the manifestation of, in my opinion, the new future, which is to say, CRMs were working over here, and WordPress was working over here, and there the two shall meet. But then with Jack's plug and WP Fusion, the two worlds could come together. And somebody could run their business with everything in the CRM. It's not a commercial. I'm getting my point. And everything else forward-facing could go on in WordPress. But the point I'm making is we will see a situation, and that's where I'm going to be the pariah here. Maybe in 12 months I'll be the pariah. WordPress will become completely modularized. Big commerce is taking a bold step by saying, we're going to put the hard stuff in the cloud so that we can just use the front-facing CMS part of WordPress to show the stuff that you, know, you care about, but all the, ju- you know, the manifestations of hard stuff go there. Jack and I actually had this conversation a couple weeks ago in light of the topic I keep saying here, which is I believe, and I'm participating to a certain extent in trying to make it happen, that WordPress will become effectively a modular component system into which people can plug internal plugins or internal blocks Third party CMS systems or CRMs or tax plugins, anything in a SaaS world, anything in a modular block world, anything in a code world. But instead of it being that everything is done like inside of one plugin, it will be this is your display. And the further point I just to close on this is to say I think that as long as the ecosystem remains with that ability in it, in other words, that everybody sees that 5.0 and automatics motives are not going to shut that door on anybody, that in the near future, the next step we will see for places like hosting platforms is they will have no choice but to just say, come to blah, blah, HostGator and get your whole stack of stuff that automatically plugs in for a flat fee. And I myself feel that that's what I want to do too, because I look right now at the, the ecosystem. Everything I want in a plugin is there on WordPress, but you know what? I still got to go to a third-party email system like a Mail, you know, Mandrill or, or you know something else to send email. I still have to go to a third-party CRM now to take care of automation. WooCommerce can get really funky, really fast on a busy e-commerce site when it's you know going through your normal you know Apache or Nginx. So by putting all of those hard things as plugins in the cloud that connect, and just allowing WordPress to be a pretty thing that you. S- you know, put your display stuff in and then having it connected, uh, I, I see an amazing possibility, but will it happen? It's a battle of uh, what they used to say, close silos or, you know, silos, which is the, you know, who will allow whom to get to their data. And as long as everybody allows APIs up and web you know, webhooks down, it could be a pretty cool future.
1: Right, Dio. What did you think of this, Adam? Well, I'm going to watch this
0: closely because um, my product, CardFlows, sits on top of WordPress and WooCommerce, and there are software as a service platforms that do similar things to CardFlows, but there's a huge benefit to having those same features on an open platform that you control. You have your data there. You control your data. Uh, You control what it can do. And if it doesn't do something that you want it to do, you can get it to do that because it's on an open platform. The code is open; anyone can go in. And so, I think it boils down to um, so, like the the analogy of Jetpack. Well, Jetpack is is um, using uh, the the SaaS side of Jetpack is bringing these dynamic kind of calculations in. It's not like moving the whole shopping experience. It's just these things that probably are better because. Tax calculations change all the time. All these things that change all the time. Shipping calculations change all the time. It makes sense to have that little piece be on the SaaS side because it's constantly needing to be updated and changed. I personally don't think this is, and if your big commerce is watching this, I'll be happy to be wrong. Um, I know they just followed me on Twitter and they've been retweeting some of my stuff. I don't think this is going to be a success for them at all. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I think if you're, if you're a WordPress user, you just want it all there. Uh, I don't mind having like the tax out because you get they have other services like TaxJar. I'll just take it for free with Jetpack. Um, I just don't see this as going to be working. Uh, I don't think see this as something that's going to bring any kind of market share or anything. I think I want my stuff there the CRM analogy is totally different because the CRM is a totally different complex beast. You know what I mean? That involves all kinds of automations. There hasn't been anything compelling CRM wise ever made for WordPress that I've ever experienced. There's been one or two that have tried, they get zero traction because these, these outside services are better because it's a totally different beast. So in that regard, Jack's plugin is a godsend for like a dozen reasons uh, I just don't see this connector type thing being a winning uh, a winning move for a company. We're looking at it. We would obviously like to make card flows a SaaS-based platform, but I just don't see how it would be compelling enough for users to, to do that.
1: Right. Jack, um, I think what's come up is a very interesting question that you probably got the technical knowledge to give some insight. Is it's been ongoing um what should be done by a third party and what should be done in wordpress and you, you you've had two kind of very different views one from uncle spencer and one from capitalist adam uh um, um so uh I don't think there's really a, I think it's been ongoing debate for a long time, or am I wrong about that, Jack, about this struggle about what should be done? And it's also mirrored with another argument about what should be done in the browser and what should be done really on the server. Well, I won't get into
2: that second argument, but um, generally um, I see it like, WordPress is great at displaying data, um, storing data, but it's not great at, processing stuff. So that's why we don't use your CRM on WordPress because your host probably isn't powerful enough to send 10,000 emails. And I have customers who have um, stores with WooCommerce subscriptions with 10,000 active subscribers, and they have a lot of trouble processing those recurring subscriptions. And then when you put in things, so so it's that processing stuff, or if you have a big um, affiliate program and you're automatically paying out affiliates when they hit certain (coughs) thresholds, automatically changing affiliate tiers when they pass benchmarks, that sort of thing. Um, that That uh, is not handled very well by WordPress, especially at scale. So I, when I first heard about this, I thought, um, you know, we don't need another, you know, JavaScript snippet that you put on your page and you have a Shopify and your WordPress site. But I like the way they've done it in that it, you can it really is a plugin that lives on your site and everything happens there, but they use their services for the processing. So like Adam, you could create a cart flows for big commerce on WordPress. You could modify their whole checkout process. And I'm assuming you could do upsells and cross sells on top of what they have already. I'm looking into doing um, adapting to IP fusion for it because they have a couple of CRM integrations, but we could uh, connect to them the same way we do with commerce and extend that to everything else we support. So it's got the extensibility that you'd be used to with WooCommerce, but you don't have to rely on your maybe budget server for doing um, you know, complicated recurring uh, payments or affiliates or tax calculations or anything that really should be handled by a server that was optimized for performing that kind of operation. So that's, that's my thought.
0: So, so you're saying that uh, when you're talking about processing, that there's a weakness there is that more a weakness in your view of WordPress or is that more a uh, weakness in terms of the hosting environments that are predominantly out there and it's more of a, a hosting problem to solve versus a, a fundamental problem with WordPress and WooCommerce?
2: It's, I mean, it's largely... It's largely a hosting thing. Um, those hosts are optimized for reading to and writing from the database and then displaying a page when somebody visits it. So if you have um, scheduled events, they happen with WordPress's cron, which means it doesn't even happen until somebody visits your site. Now you can modify that with some hosts. But there's always going to be a lot of variability there. Um, if you are running a really big store, you have to make sure that your host is optimized for it. Um, you might need to have a server administrator to keep an eye on everything for you. And especially for things like sending emails, your web server is not, um, authenticated or optimized for email deliverability at all. So you really want to have a third party system for that. Um, and really, I just think that like you should be focused on your WordPress site loading and being navigable. Um, and you know, the theme works, the plugins work, the interactivity is good. And then having another outside system that performs all those payments and calculations and, and, uh, you know transactions and and even reporting and stuff like that because calculating and uh, rendering reports is very computationally expensive. I think that that makes a lot of sense.
4: It's like image compression. You know that yeah. that some of the
2: exactly.
4: hosting companies will not allow you to use plugins that do their image compression on the server at that host. Uh, they yeah. will only allow you to use things that where the compression is taking place on a third party server. And, uh, you know, the images are, are are being sent back. And, you know, for good reason, because, as you said, it's very computationally expensive.
2: And also um, related post-plugins now, to say, yeah. like, re- we recommend this. A lot of the best ones now are done by an outside server, and then they send the recommendations back to your site. And that's a good use. case.
3: We came across this with chat. The difference is, and Jack was very... I think you did that well-spoken as far as keeping it simple, but you know, an Apache or an NGINX web server does that thing. Grab the page, display the page. When you have to do things like chat or computational things or anything that requires intensive processes, even a cron job, it takes the web server away from what it does best. And even though NGINX is you know, five times better than Apache, it just grinds to a halt even on a, a highly set up uh, cloud hosting environment. The point is That's what's so amazing about APIs and webhooks today. There's fast tunnels up and fast tunnels down. And if somebody wants to grab those components that require a specialist, why would we deny the fact that that's the way the world works anyway? Zapier has made a $35 million a year business connecting SaaS services. In the CRM to WordPress world, there's pipe drive and other components that connect very specialty things. When you try to put those inside of WordPress, you realize very fast, you say, you know, like we really can adapt this plugin to do this job and this to do that, but why? Because there's a service that we could just, like a USB cable connect to, ta-da. The issue is who owns the service? Is it a capitalistic competitive marketplace or is it the king is telling us we can only use this one? And that's the whole discussion of who controls from the top down. And by the way, back in many, many years ago, the turn of the century, the robber baron days with the railroads it's the exact same conversation in a sort of you know digital world if you control the railroads
4: you control everything um, right internet That's service providers anybody
3: that of course but you know let's take it two steps down if you have an ecosystem of 20 plus million users and you've got a system whereby there's a throttle or a gateway or you know, somebody controls that path in and out and that happens to be automatic, as nice as they may be as far as their altruistic behavior on the open source code. That is the way, by the way, Adam, how surprised one day you wake up and like everything is coming through that particular railroad track. And that's the kind of thing that everybody is looking to right now, where if we can make it an open source environment, but also connectivity to SaaS, I see an, a real opportunity there where people can just say, you know what? Who cares what I use? I just know WordPress handles the front facing and maybe my, you know, plain content and I use this with this, with this, with this, and they all play nice with that USB cord. I don't have to load up my suitcase with a bunch of travel adapters anymore. Ta-da.
0: I just want to say one last thing. I'm sure you want to get to the next topic that the reason I think that at the end of the day, WordPress is always going to win and WooCommerce is always going to win in this argument is because not everyone's going to want to start they're whatever they're doing online with a $300 a month bill that never goes away or $400 a month bill that never goes away. So the, the reason be I think that commerce will always win at the end of the day is because you can get started with that. Uh, and then when your demands change, you can easily move to a uh, we use Pagely because we don't want to manage it and we don't care what the cost is. So we just go with Pagely uh, for a lot of that processing and, and tap into their expertise, um, uh, but I think you should get kids really. But
3: I mi- think you, I think you misunderstand my point.
0: And no, 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 I wasn't are, uh, uh, speaking to to your your point. I was just speaking to that. I think um, uh, people need uh, this whole concept of democratizing publishing is actually democratizing e-commerce. Maybe that's like the the mission of uh, WooCommerce. Um, uh, it's nice that there's a way for someone to, to start uh, at a minimal budget and not commit to some big, you know, Shopify 80 bucks a month and you put you really want to be on the 300 bucks a month. That, that, that's my, that is my point. My
3: point is in favor of what you're saying is that big commerce, I didn't come out and say like you did that I think they're going to fail. They will or they won't, but it's irrelevant. They're a separate platform. Every, every time I have this conversation here or otherwise, I compare it to ClickFunnels or Kajabi. The people using those platforms who are either beginners or selling $10 million of stuff a year, use them because they make a deal with the devil. It works, it's got the features I want today, and I realize I'm locked in a gilded cage, but it's just there. Everybody else, no matter who they are, I recommend if you've heard of WordPress, use WordPress. And WooCommerce is a huge part of that entire stack. I agree with your premise. And I'm saying that what should happen is not a surprise one day, when WooCommerce, which is owned by the king automatic, suddenly has that core railroad track with a gate on it, a tollway. That's the point I'm making. Because as of today, it is true. You could start your site, you could build your site, you can grow a multi-million-dollar business on WooCommerce and the rest of the stack. But we should all be cautious of the fact that, I suppose as long as it's open source, it won't be possible, that that is the direction that these things can go, even if you use third-party connectivity for services, is that the core stack, Still has to be open source. Yeah, I think
1: you. I think you've all made fantastic points. I'm not going to go to the end story because um, I want to wrap this up. But I just want to. I think you've just, in a very um, unplanned way, we've come to, in a circle to, um, Adam's interview and what I think Matt um, part of the interview he was making clear that I am totally still committed to open source i'm still committed this is my life project in the in the next 15 years i see me being at wordpress at automatic this is my life commitment i'm committed to open source and there were some of the key statements that he made in adams well, you're going you're going to have to make your own conclusion is he is he deluding himself or is he a fundamentally lying? I I don't believe in both. Um, it doesn't strike me as an individual that um, lies in public to that extent. Um, he wouldn't do it. And I don't think he's somebody that is self-delusionary. So you've got to take him at his word. So he made those public statements and he's made them before. So, I think we're going to end it. The panel would have been great. <laughs> uh, um, uh <laughs> Uncle Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to?
3: Uh, and you can go to WPLaunchify.com.
1: Right. and Adam, how can people find out more about you and your growing empire of capitalistly <laughs> driven... <laughs>
0: <Fins>. <laughs> well, um, um, most of where you can find me is on YouTube, uh, but you can just Google WP Crafter. You'll see YouTube, Twitter, websites, and i uh, like to uh, invite you to check out CartFlows at cartflows.com uh,
1: to make e-commerce easy and more profitable. That's great. And Jack, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? They can find me at wpfusion.com. And Sally, how can people find out more your words of wisdom and
4: what you're up to? Uh, Well, you can find me at wpfangirl.com. All my contact information is there. Uh, You are more likely to find me on Twitter than elsewhere in terms of the social spaces. Uh, I am at Sally Getch most places. If you can spell my name, you will find me. There is only one of me. That is true. That is very true. Uh, um, uh, Folks, if you really want to
1: support the show, subscribe on um, iTunes. It really helps the show and get more great panellists. We've got some great guest panellists joining us next week. Uh, um, It's going to probably be our final panellist show for 2018. Where has the year gone? It's just just a blur as far as i'm concerned and uh, we'll see you next week we're gonna have another great discussion about wordpress the internet and the web in general we'll see you next week folks bye
0: bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week